Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Jim Garrity is on vacation today and tomorrow. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, host of the Martini Shot. Not to be confused with the Three Martini Lunch, but... uh, I should have sued you for trademark infringement. (laughs) You really should be listening to both, though. I think that's the bottom line here. And, and of course, you're the co-host of the Glop Podcast. So many different hats, but uh, glad to have you here. As always, we got good, bad, and crazy martinis. Some of them were gonna kind of have to finesse uh well the good the good the good martini we have to finesse a little bit but what else is new so let's start with the good and the the overall good news uh, rob is that more and more people even though we got the extra hour of sleep this past weekend say it's time to be done with daylight savings time or standard time pick one but this Constant clock changing every six months has got to go, or at least twice a year. I know they extended it. Congress extended it, thinking they could save even more daylight. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how that works. But uh, nonetheless, uh, there's a story in, in Politico about the fact that this movement is going on. But it's got a hilarious twist to the point that this was almost one of our crazy martinis today. Because these activists that are basically on the same side of this issue hate each other so much. It's, it's quite entertaining. Uh, so Politico says when the clocks turn back on Sunday morning to end daylight savings time, sorry, daylight saving time, hungover college kids cheered and parents of young kids lamented their fates. But for JP and Scott Yates, it was yet another volley in one of the weirder and more vengeful grudge matches currently taking place in the world of public advocacy. The two men are among the most prominent voices in the debate over how we structure the timing of our days and they occupy opposite ends of the spectrum. P, 43, insists that standard time is the preferable option, and Yates, 56, argues that evidence points to permanent daylight saving time as the way to go, though he adds his movement is simply fighting for a no-change clock system. They've spoken with lawmakers' offices, testified before government bodies, become go-to quotes for media stories, and launched advocacy efforts to boot. P runs the group Save Standard Time, Yates helms a movement he calls hashtag lock the clock. They also seemingly despise each other. Each suggests that the other's in the pocket of special interest. You know, big time. Yates has gone so far as to question whether JP is actually a real name and accused P of operating several fake accounts on Twitter. P, meanwhile, believes Yates is a wealthy, powerful friend of Marco Rubio. He accused uh, Yates of calling him after dark. I don't know whether that's on standard or daylight saving time to to make threats, producing notes he wrote contemporaneously in which Yates allegedly told him, you're never going to write about me, reply to my tweets or anything, or I'm going to make you so bleeping sorry. Uh, Rob, I mean, I know people don't lo- don't like to change their sleep schedules, their pets, their kids. A lot of people uh, get, get thrown off by it. You're either early or late to something on that Sunday morning if you're going to church, for example. The good news is here, I think people are headed in the right direction, but man... Somebody wants to win this fight, and there's only going to be one official winner, I guess. I love this. Are you? This is. This means that <laughs> things are getting back to normal. That people are. The Americans are sort of returning to what they really do uh, best, which is to bitterly fight each other over small things. I agree. Like I am. I'm. I am slowly becoming one of these sort of timey kind of guys who thinks, "Why are we doing this with our clocks all the time?" It seems stupid. And I'm glad that we have two eccentric Americans who despite. It reminds me of when they when the when the um when they first liberated Kabul, you know, in Afghanistan and the in the Afghanistan the war in Afghanistan, they you know the Taliban had swept everybody away. 
pretty much. Oh, oh, they, they did find two elderly Jewish guys, two old Jewish guys still living in Kabul. And um, uh, they weren't talking to each other. They were mad at each other. Now, they're the only Jewish people in the country and they didn't like each other. And you got to like admire that human spirit. Like <laughs> uh, we're, we're not going to let our our we're not going to let the things that uh, hold us together keep us together. We're, you know, we're going to we're going to let those things divide us. Um, and I, I believe that there's um, I, and I really do mean this. There is something incredibly wonderful about these two guys who basically want the same thing, hating each other. Uh, uh, and spending probably more time um, um, dissing each other and flaming each other on social media than actually, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what you do when you're a time activist, but whatever you do, I'm sure they're spending more time calling each other names. Is this actually going to happen? It seems like uh, at least the people who talk about daylight saving time don't want to be changing the clocks anymore. And then the question becomes, you know, which one you actually go with. I mean, this was originally a plan to, you know, I I believe help farmers, uh, you know, have as much daylight in the normal part of the day as possible. From what I'm hearing, though, you know, this doesn't obviously change the amount of daylight in the day. So, you know, like I heard one person say, cows can't tell time, so they're going to do what they're going to do when they do it. And so uh, is this something that's so obvious it's eventually going to happen? Or is it uh, uh, so- something that will create political fractures here that will make it hard to actually get done? Well, I, I think it could happen. I mean, I think people do want it. I mean, you, you don't really want to talk about it right now this week when we've all just got an extra hour, right? That extra hour is so incredibly glorious on Sunday morning and on Monday morning. Um, so you don't really want to start talking about it like that. But you, maybe mid, you know, mid winter is the time to do it. The most surprising thing about this argument is that there, I, and I've been scanning it. I just Googled it this morning just to make sure I was right. I can't find one, one um, connection in this issue uh, to climate change. And it, it's remarkably free of any kind of climate change. And if you read the New York Times every day, as I do, um, it's you know, they'll, they'll, in the middle of an article about, I don't know, anything, Broadway. Uh, uh, potholes. It'll be there's a climate change paragraph about how climate change can make this worse or better or whatever. Um, There's no climate change angle here. So um, I suspect it's like another area where we could actually get something done because um, it doesn't cost anything. Uh, Government can do it. And (laughs) when they, they don't have to raise our taxes and we all get an extra hour and we'll get more daylight. So pretty good. As far as I know, Rob, Arizona and Hawaii are the only states that don't do this at all. There's a there's a sentence, though, in this Politico story. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, since 2018, 19 states have enacted legislation or passed a resolution or voter initiative that moved to make daylight saving time permanent. So if that's the case, why don't more states have this already? I don't understand uh, what else they would need in order to make that permanent. I tell you, I think mostly, I mean, if it's speaking for myself, it's because people don't quite understand it. It's like they don't. Is di- Are we in daylight savings time now or did it end? It ended, Is daylight yes. savings time when you spring forward or you fall back? And people <laughs> like the falling back. They don't like the springing forward. So you just basically tell them we're not going to change the clocks if they're they are what they are. And I think if you as long as you're doing that up until spring forward, you're, you're going you're gonna to have a receptive audience because what it really means is we're, ne- we're not going to do that thing we do to you in the spring where we just snatch and where it's suddenly it's, it's, it's 8 a.m. and you, you didn't sleep. 
Um, I think that's that I'm just talking about marketing and branding, but I think it could happen. I hope it happens. Well, that's smart. Yeah. The last change has to be the fallback, whether it's this one or a future one. You can't end with taking the hour away. You got you got to give it back and then uh, level the playing field. But uh, so so we'll see. This is one of those things like the uh, the no call list that seems kind of obvious at this point. But uh uh, hopefully, if that actually happens, it'll be a little more effective than the. Yeah, I mean, I still get calls, so. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Potential spam. I'm sure nobody else has that uh, pop up on their phone, but that uh, is literally true of almost everything, though. Existentially, that is true. It is all potential spam. All right. Well, uh, your phone is uh, one of many different uh, ways that your privacy, your data could end up being compromised. I don't think your clock, unless it's connected to your phone or your laptop or something, is going to uh, present a threat to your data. But you need to protect it. And look, a few decades ago, private citizens could just be private citizens. But the Internet has changed all that. Everything you browse, search for, watch, tweet, all of that goes places and now all of that data can be crawled through collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record your public record so having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities really worried about but in an era where everyone is online everyone's a public figure and everyone's a potential victim of this so to keep your data private when you go online turn to express vpn did you know that there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? And the worst part is they don't even have to tell you who they are and who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these important data points is your IP address. And the harvesters use your IP to identify you uniquely and your location. But with ExpressVPN, your connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and your IP address is masked. So every time you turn on ExpressVPN, you're given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers, and that makes it much more difficult for third parties to identify you and harvest your data. The best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. I have it. I've been using it. I love it. It, it really it's incredibly, makes you incredibly confident when you're out and about using uh, your, your phone to do stuff. And, and it works. So no matter what device you're on, phone, laptop, smart TV, I use my iPad all the time. All I do is tap one button and I'm protected. So not only is it effective, it's easy for Luddites like me to deal with, and it's not going to break the bank. So if you're like me and you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash martini and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash martini. One more time, go to expressvpn.com slash martini to learn more. All right, Rob, let's move on to our latest economic head slapper, and that is that inflation is uh, expanding, growing, increasing at its worst rate in more than 30 years. But uh, CNBC, with the uh, painful story, inflation across a broad swath of products that consumers buy every day was even worse than expected in October, hitting its high point in more than 30 years, the Labor Department reported Wednesday. The Consumer Price Index, which is a basket of products ranging from gasoline and healthcare to groceries and rent, rose 6.2% from a year ago, the most since December 1990. And that compared with the estimate from Dow Jones that it would be 5.9%, which would have really been bad anyway. On a monthly basis, the CPI increased 0.9% against the 0.6% estimate, so 50% higher than they thought. Stripping out volatile food and energy prices, the so-called core CPI was up 0.6% against the estimate of 0.4%. Uh, fuel prices soaring 12.3% for the month 
and they're up 59.1% over the year. Energy prices overall rose 4.8% in October and are up 30% for the 12-month period, and they're only going to get worse in the winter, as Jim and I talked about yesterday. Used vehicle prices up 26.4% for the year. New vehicle prices up nearly 10%. Food prices also showing a sizable bounce. 5.3% for the year, nearly a whole point just in the last month. And within the food category, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs collectively rose 1.7% for the month and nearly 12% over the year. I mean, Rob, this is essentially a massive tax increase without officially being a massive tax increase. And so the idea that this was uh, initially just thought to be transitory and it's just a result of everybody firing back up as a result of uh, recovering from the pandemic. I mean, they can spin this as badly as they want, and they are doing a very bad job of it. But, uh, I mean, the the reality is is that this is crushing families, and it's only going to get worse, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, inflation is theft, right? It's when they steal stuff from you, uh, and they steal the value of your dollar. Um, And it's also, I mean, just to be, I mean, right, 1990 is probably the the most recent high watermark, but that was after... um, you know, a decade and a half almost of of uh, rapid and crippling inflation. We call it Reagan ran on it called stagflation. So economic stagnation plus inflation. So the economy wasn't growing, but everything was getting more expensive. The, uh, I saw this really funny meme, not funny, haha, but a funny like Ugh, meme um, the other day, which is a guy putting on clown makeup. You know, and as he slowly puts on more clown makeup, he's saying different things. The verse he's saying, like, and, um, there is really no inflation. Then inflation is just um, um, temporary. It's about the supply chain. And then as he puts on more clown makeup, he says uh, uh, inflation is lower, actually, than we expected. And then the fourth panel, when he's in full clown makeup, he says, actually, inflation is a good thing. And that is where we're almost going to be. Well, I would say the next two weeks, we're going to start reading people telling us how inflation actually, you know, is a good thing because it makes it easier to pay down your debt, all that stuff, which is sort of a true in a macroeconomic level. But you do not go to the supermarket or buy a car with macroeconomics. You do it with the very microeconomics, which are the economics in your wallet. That is the most microeconomic thing you can have. And if that is losing value rapidly, then people's behavior changes. The second thing I would say about this, which I, I which is, is, is it has been true since the, I think since the early 80s, is that the inflation number that is reported is not real. It is already been massaged and done, they do a thing called hedonic adjustment to it um, to make it lower than it really is. Look, anybody who's got kids knows that it, for things that you really have to buy, the prices are going up and have been going up faster than um, the, the the CPI index, the consumer price index says they they have been. Um, and with our hedonic adjustment, for instance, the price of gas, uh, the, hedonic, the hedonic adjustment on the price of gas has been that a gallon of gas may be you know 70,000 times more than it was in 1946, but it's better gas. You're getting more value for it. So actually, it's roughly the same price. That's, actually, that's literally what they said for, for 10 years as gas was $4 a gallon. But if the gas is $4 a gallon, you still got to pay $4, right? It doesn't matter whether there's some extra value there. You need to fill your gas tank. So um, I think Americans are starting to realize this. And when they realize that this pinch is real and it really is hurting them in a very specific place, um, I wouldn't want to be uh, in – I would not want to be trying to make the argument that all is well. Um these are these are scary things, and it is a scary thing when the two the two things we heard today this week the two biggest news the big piece of news were one 
gigantic infrastructure bill on the now we're on the track to spend another two trillion dollars and two inflation six point two percent. That feels like 1972 to me, and that those were not good years. And of course, we know how inflation happens. It's when you pump too much money into the system and you devalue the uh, the worth of the dollar. And so we've pumped trillions and trillions and trillions throughout this pandemic in. We had, uh, of course, uh, I think three different bills, two really big ones uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the Trump administration, another one around the holidays last year. Then Biden adds two trillion with quote unquote COVID relief that has a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with COVID relief. Uh, they just passed the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, but it hasn't even been signed yet. So that's going to add to it. And of course, their solution to this crisis is going to be to try and tell everyone that we've got to pass this next one of $1.75 trillion, $2 trillion, whatever the final price tag is. Some people really think it's closer to four. So, Rob, their solution is to actually make the problem worse. Well, also, I mean, the solution is is, is are they, they no longer are about the, the current crisis, right? The, the COVID, we, we don't need COVID relief. They don't have to pass a, a spending bill for COVID relief. They need to actually relieve, of, relieve us of our COVID regulations. They need to reopen all the schools. They need to tell us that it's over. We need to celebrate the win. We need to say if you're old or you're immunocompromised, you should be careful, but everybody else gets to go back to work and live their life. That's COVID relief. That's the only COVID relief that will matter. <laughs> but instead, they're going to spend a lot more money. Taxes will go up. Inflation will go up until, you know, if you look, if you're a conservative, it's like, oh, well, maybe that will call Reagan, a Reagan back. Right. Because that's what did it. But remember, that was after a decade of disaster. And then Reagan had another two or three rough years economically as he tried to right the ship. So this is inflation is a real misery is a real economic misery on American families of every race and every uh, creed and every ethnicity. Um, and I wouldn't want to be trying to like divide us um, by on those measures and be talking about a lot of nonsense when people are going to the store and are spending more money for food. That is, <laughs> that is, you don't want to be a politician then. But I do remember stories from earlier this year when we knew that the Biden administration was trying to roll out these massive spending bills. And the argument, I think Politico had the story on it, was, Look, Biden's not worried and his staff's not worried about taking the hit on inflation on this because look at the 60s. Lyndon Johnson ran up the price tag on everything and it was in the Nixon years and Ford and Carter when everything finally hit the fan and they took the heat for it. So Biden won't pay a price for this politically. Uh-huh. How'd that work out already, fellas? <laughs> That's that is the most complicated mousetrap. If 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 they have time to devise a, a, a contraption of, of their brain that complicated, um, then they have time to uh, figure out how to get us out of this mess and how to um, uh, how to get the dollar back to sort of normal, normal value. <laughs> you know, God save us from the political geniuses. <laughs> they are always wrong. There aren't that many political geniuses. That's the problem. But they all think they're political geniuses. You need to save money where you can right now. And one of the best places to do that and get a quality product, my pillow. There's nothing better than slipping into bed with their soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a very long day, especially if you're pumping out 40 bucks for gas like I did just before I started talking to Rob today. That, and, I, and I wasn't even on empty. I had a quarter of a tank left. And so MyPillow uh, has the fantastic products for you. They've got their towels. They've got their mattress topper. I love the slippers. 
But today we're talking about the great deal you can get in their Giza Dream Sheets. For a limited time, you can buy one set and get another set free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets. All you have to do is use our promo code Martini at MyPillow.com. These are great sheets. So just imagine sliding to the most comfortable sheets you will ever own. Guaranteed, made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region that I love this, between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. That just sounds fantastic. It's long staple cotton makes it ultra soft and breathable. These are Cleopatra's cotton sheets. Trust me. <laughs> Available in a variety of colors, sizes, machine washable, and as always with this company, 60-day money-back guarantee, one-year limited warranty. That is pretty great for a set of sheets. Absolutely. For a limited time, buy one set, get another set free on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. I love the Giza Dream Sheets. I just mentioned yesterday, the last couple of weeks, spent a couple of days in the hotels, and uh, always best to be back with the Giza Dream Sheets. So don't miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. 0104. Sleep better with mypillow.com. All right, Rob, it is Wednesday, November the 10th. So it was eight days ago that Glenn Youngkin was elected governor of Virginia. A lot of different issues. Biden deeply unpopular right next door. But uh, the big issue that consumed all the attention, of course, was the schools. Terry McAuliffe saying in a debate that uh, parents have no business telling uh, schools what to teach. That went over like a lead balloon, thankfully. Uh, But in the reaction to Glenn Youngkin and the whole Republican ticket winning, the narrative in the media is, That uh, race and uh, white people being scared was the reason, you know, in this state that twice elected Barack Obama, voted for Hillary Clinton, elected Joe Biden by 10 points that, uh, you know, they suddenly uh, just went all uh, uh, nativist and uh, sided with the Republicans here. Uh, But their big issue was, oh, this critical race theory became such a huge issue. And you know what? It's not even taught in the schools, which is supposedly technically true. I mean, nobody's asking the kids to take out your critical race theory textbook, but all the implements of critical race theory are clearly being pumped into how the schools are run and how they're organized. Uh, Equity is, of course, the buzzword of the day. And uh, hats off to uh, your friends over at National Review, Caroline Downey with the story, With the news that Loudoun County Public Schools recently brought in a consultant, that should always make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, but his name is Jamie, or I guess it could be Jaime given his uh, Spanish last name here, Almanzan. He's uh, with Equity Collaborative. That just... That just makes you know this is going to be good. And so he talked about a lot of different things, including about how you need to change kids' minds because you can never change adults' minds. They're too far gone. Uh, But here is where he's talking about what schools are for and what teachers are for. You know, if you thought it was about teaching kids important subject material, (laughs) no, no, it's not. My job is to make sure that the thing that I think public education offers uh, is supported and given to every kid. And the thing that I think we offer, because I certainly don't think we offer uh, learning, uh, per se, uh, I think what we offer are relationship. I think what we offer better, because the learning part, in terms of information, what historically high schools were for, was dissemination of information very quickly. It, was, it, it, it organized information to disseminate it. Well, actually, the Internet's better than the high school is. 
It's faster. Uh, it's got first person. Uh, you can do interviews. You got video. You're like, truthfully, the teacher in relation to dissemination of information is obsolete. But the teacher in relationship to relationship is the thing. What we have is people. And that is gold. That is gold. Figuring out how to capitalize on the people, well, that's the thing. So the internet's actually a better teacher than actual teachers. I'm sure that'll make uh, everybody happy that does that for a living, Rob. But their real reason for being there is uh, for relationships, and I, I guess now uh, to promote equity. So uh, th this, I believe, happened well before the election. But uh, this narrative of CRT is not real and it's not being taught and it's not a factor uh, and telling thousands upon thousands of parents they're uh, blithering morons, uh, turns out uh, that's not the case. <laughs> what I love about this is the response to this is going to be like a, people, their heads cut off. First of all, because it's going to be the normal crowd saying, well, he's not talking about uh, uh, critical race theory, <laughs> which is true. But that the, that response is also part of what enrages parents like it, it, you just don't quite understand. Like it's like that it enrages parents that they're, you, you're, people in these school districts are playing this semantic game with them when you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then the idea that he says this kind of like the way I mean, you got to watch this video, the videos I've seen it like 10 times now. It's like, I mean, you know, they always just say, put it right in my veins. I am now addicted to it. He kind of shrugs. And it's like you, you we all know that we don't teach any. There's no information. The Internet's better. If, if that is the case. Then give parents a voucher to spend on as they wish. If that's the case, just let us do it or let parents do it themselves. The 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 argument, the solution to all these arguments is school choice, which, of course, they're totally against. But. That that is where we are now. And I really I mean, I, the reason I think this is a great martini in a way is because, first of all, it's really enjoyable to watch. But also, I think we're on the brink now. We're close to it took a worldwide pandemic. That's that's how how powerful the teachers unions are. But we are on the brink now of, of a lot more parents saying not only do they think that school choice is a good idea in in the abstract, which they already do, like that's, that's the polling's always said that, but they also think it would work for them right now with their children right now. And that second part of that reasoning has always been what's held school choice back is that parents say, well, look, I agree with you. It's right. But I, I, I figured it out for myself and I don't want to change what I got. Now they're looking at what's going on in these schools and they're looking at school experts. They paid this guy half a million dollars to say this. And they're saying, wait a minute. I just spent a year doing it myself, essentially. Um, I can do it myself if I had help for another year. And I suspect that that, is a, that reasoning is happening all over, all over the country, and I could not be happier. It is about time. No, I think you're exactly right about that. Homeschooling is obviously surging. Uh, parents who are sending their kids to public school, looking at private schools, school choice just among public schools. But you put your finger on a key issue, and some Republicans have done this over time. Youngkin obviously just did. Uh, a lot of people think it's the reason Ron DeSantis won that narrow Florida race back in 2018, uh, and that is school choice. If Republicans beat the drum on school choice in the wake of this pandemic and what they've seen in a lot of these public schools, it is an absolute winning issue. And if they don't get distracted by a lot of other things that are going to be more divisive, uh, this can really uh, push Republican turnout and Republican results in a way that I'm not sure any other issue can right now.
Well, you know, remember in the, in the old days, um, I mean, 1992, uh, the, uh, one of the best presidential campaigns ever was the Clinton campaign in 92. It was really, really brilliant. And almost flawless. They didn't make any mistakes. They started from behind and they did really, really well. And they had a sign which everybody remembers the name, the words on the sign. They forget what those words really meant. There was a sign in a giant. I think it was a banner in the in the campaign headquarters and all the rooms that said, it's the economy, stupid. Right. And what that was supposed to say was that the, 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 the stupid it referred to was you, the campaign worker. What we're talking about is the economy, stupid. Don't get smart. We're not talking about this or that or the other. We're talking about the economy. When you speak to people, you say it's about the economy. And that's what Republicans need to remember. It's about education, stupid. Don't bring up any of the other things. Don't like don't watch Tucker Carlson and talk about that. It's it's the it's the it's education. And just keep saying that that's the Glenn Youngkin strategy. And it totally worked. Virginia is not a blue state anymore because it was about education, stupid. And, you know, unfortunately, we have Republicans are tend to like like they watch Fox News a lot and they get obsessed with Hunter Biden's laptop. That may be great for Fox News uh, ratings, but it is not the way you win election. It's about education, stupid. Well, I'm giving our second martini if they're paying double for everything. Maybe you need two signs. It's education and the economy, stupid. So, uh, Rob, a lot to talk about today. Uh, thank you, as always, for filling in, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks. Look forward to it. See you soon. Rob Long, contributing editor, National Review Online, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop podcast, host of the Martini Shot, uh, filling in for Jim Garrity today. Jim will be back on Friday. John Gabriel will be in on Thursday. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us. Uh, always grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Get us on those home devices. Just say play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow all of us on Twitter. Rob is at RCB. Uh, Jim is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next.